go. How are you doing, Crossing Church? You doing all right? Oh, you can do better than that. How are you doing, Crossing Church? Oh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord. Yes, it uh, is. I don't know how many of you were here last night, but mm. it was nuts. It was incredible seeing this place completely, completely. packed, people standing. There was this no section, room. This front there section was, here. Oh, it was. Uh, if you if you miss this night, you gotta wait next mm. night of worship. You need to have that experience because it was a it was an incredible, incredible experience. I want to welcome all of our campuses. We got a, a chance to have some of those campuses here yes. at 48th Street. Uh, all of them represented. Uh, last night, but we welcome you uh, today. If you're inside online, thank, thankful for you as well. God's just doing incredible things at, uh, in all the tribes, yes, right? All absolutely. the tribes at all the locations. Tribes. We're <laughs> excited about that. And uh, how many of you did an NCAA bracket? Raise your hand if you did a bracket. Yeah, a lot of hands up. So I was talking to my son, uh, Joey, and uh, he said his small group was doing a bracket. Yep. And uh, so they've been uh, doing that. And uh, uh, I have a three-year-old grandson, Alex, uh, his son. And they decided to do it with their three-year-old grandson as well. And so how do you do a bracket if you're a three-year-old? Well, what, they, what mom and dad did was came up with the mascots of all the teams and then just said, would you, would you rather have a blue devil or a pig, you know? Or would you rather have a, you know, and he picked uh, his bracket based on mascots and he's doing better than anybody else in the small yeah, group. Be, be, better than me. And I'm, I'm in the group. You're in the group. I had That's Iowa right. winning the whole thing. <laughs> oh, it didn't work yeah, out. It didn't, didn't work out. Didn't work out, no. Yeah, so, so I don't know how you're doing with your bracket, but I can tell you what, this series better has been incredible for a lot of people. Yes. And uh, I, I, you know, sometimes I'll hear something when I'm out in the community and someone will say, hey, that was great. Or, mm -hmm. But I can't tell you how much of that has saturated into all of our communities. And I'm hearing that uh, from the staff that it's really, I mean, the things that we're doing, the challenges, everything, yep. really making a difference in the lives of families. And this week is no different, Andre. It's no different mm -hmm. because in some ways, uh, it, it's because we're talking about something that we've never talked about or preached about before. And it's a, a scientific and psychological truth that explains what's going on in a person's brain from birth to adolescence. And it's called synaptic pruning. So you're going to learn about that today. And I know it sounds kind of highbrow, you know, but it really isn't. Yeah. And you're going to really appreciate what what you hear today, and then we're going to be able to apply that uh, to God's Word. But before we do that, you know, I'm sharing the stage with uh, my brother Andre, and uh, give it up for Andre Harper up here today. And, you know, Andre does, uh, he does uh, uh, the student ministry here, and does a lot of leadership with the student ministry uh, crossing wide at uh, all, all of our locations. And Allison and I were traveling, and we were on our way home, and uh, you know, she paired the phone to the uh, radio in the, in the car, and so we're listening to her play, uh, playlist. And one song came on, she started to cry. And, uh, you know, she was having an emotional moment with that song. And we talked about it afterwards, and she goes, you know, last time I remember hearing that song, uh, I was in Jamaica. 
Mm. And uh, it was uh, quite a while ago. And uh, she goes, I was on top of a mountain and I was looking out at this vista, the valley's beauty in mm. the place. And uh, this is back when uh, Clayton and Jenny were dating. Yep. And this was like the this was like the trip to see. Oh. If, if, I don't. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I you know like is this you know uh, what the, what's that what that and and uh, Kristen and Andre were flirting. That's right. At that time. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and, and she was praying for both of those couples. I'm telling you, my wife's prayers work. Yeah, they work because these are two successful marriages. God's doing incredible, yes. great, great things. And I'm really thankful to have Andre here to share with you what we're going to talk about today. We can do that together. So, Andre, awesome. go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. It is a huge honor um, to be here in front of you. And that Jerry cued. Uh, we're going to be talking about something called synaptic pruning, and you probably have no idea what that even means. So just real quick, just say synaptic pruning. Synaptic pruning. There we go. And so you might be tempted over the next couple minutes to think that we're watching some episode of you know, Magic School Bus with Miss Fritz as we talk about this concept. But what we're going to talk about um, has every bearing to do with um, the rest of the sermon. And so let me set it up in case you have no idea what synaptic pruning even is. So synaptic pruning is the process by which um, the, the brain removes synapses or connections between brain cells. And this process helps to remove the rarely used connections or the rarely used synapses to ensure that there's enough um, capacity in the brain for the more frequently used connections. Mm. And so the number of synapses that you should know this um, in a baby or, or in children is about double the amount in adults, making it so much easier for babies to rapidly learn as, as they develop, rapidly learn tasks, which is why you've probably heard the saying before that babies are like sponges, sponges. right? Because they just soak up, they absorb so much, they're always learning something new, they're always surprising you. And so the pruning process, like I said, starts when they're a baby, continues through um, adolescence, and, and it continues actually all the way up to about tw early 20s, sometimes late 20s for some people. And this makes the adult brain more able to focus on in-depth tasks and in-depth uh, conversations because there are fewer uh, connections and changes taking place in their brain. Uh, one way to think about it is... To imagine that you move into a, a, a new neighborhood recently, and as you move in this cul-de-sac, you go on walks, and you start meeting the neighbors, you know, and what happens over time as you spend time with your neighbors is you begin to um, form stronger connections with some versus others. And then what happens is you start to have some of your neighbors over for dinner, or you have conversations longer, uh, or your kids start playing with their with kids, their kids yeah. right? Um, and so soon you're sharing more and more experiences together. And what happens to the other neighbors, the mm. ones that you don't see and talk to as much? Yeah, the relationship, <laughs> the connection on. dies. There's there's no relationship, just you know, a friendly wave every once in a while, or a forced or fake interaction at best. And so this is what's happening in the mind, in the brain of a child, all the way up into adulthood, into their early 20s. Mm. There's a lot of things that are dying. Yeah, and this is not a small thing. No. 
Uh, so, you know, you might be hearing this and going, oh, okay, there's some things that are changing. No, between the ages of 11 and 17, those adolescents lose 40% of their memory. I mean, that's a scientific fact. They lose 40%. So, you know, a lot of you that are here that are adults that have kids this age, you're going, I think my kid's lost his mind. No, just 40%. <laughs> Of their mind, literally 40% yeah. of their mind. I mean, because you really are the total of your memories, right? That just makes you who you are. And imagine what they're actually going through in this midst of this process. Mm. Now, to help us understand that, you know, there's, there's some easy ways to understand that. How many of you seen the movie Inside Out? Raise your hand, all locations, if you've seen Inside Out. If you haven't, this needs to be a challenge. It needs to be a challenge. Yeah, this needs to be a challenge at the end of the service. You can't do anything else. You watch it. Just watch Inside Out, okay? It's a Disney Pixar movie. It's seven years old, and it's an incredible... Uh, it, it's actually a movie about this mm -hmm. very thing. It's about mm -hmm. synaptic pruning, pruning. Uh, and it's talking about the aspects that we have in our human personality, and the characters in the, the movie are joy and sadness and anger and fear and disgust. And the movie is set up about an adolescent named Riley who's in the process of moving from Minnesota to San Francisco and what that actually is producing in her brain. And you're kind of looking inside of her, yeah. inside of her brain yep. and inside of, of, of her reality and how difficult it is mm -hmm. for her and uh, all these things that are being pruned. Mm. And one of the saddest parts, listen, now, if you watch this movie, you will definitely cry. You will. So just be prepared, especially when Bing Bong, with, with Bing Bong. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. I shouldn't say Don't that. tell him that because oh. that's the spoiler. Anyway, anyway, it's, it's powerful because they're in this sea, a uh, whole sea of these memories. And memories are portrayed as like uh, little orbs or yep, they look like marbles, marbles yeah. that kind of glow different colors if they're a sad memory or a disgusting memory. And they're just, they, they all turn black when they're gone and they're just, they're, they're, they're standing in the sea of discarded memories. Mm. And that really, I mean, that kind of upsets me because I think of my four kids mm. and how many of those things when they were little... You know, that, that I thought was, that were so precious and so powerful, they get pruned. Mm -hmm. And those things are really hard for us. Just imagine, imagine that this is the reality that they are going through in that, in that age range. And not only are they going through that, they're going through a hormonal storm. Mm -hmm. Now, you think I'm just trying to say that, I'm kind of being a little hyperbolic, you know, hormonal storm. How many of you remember a term that was used early in COVID-19 called a cytokine storm? Some of you remember that? Well, this is what they were discovering at the beginning of COVID-19, that the, when the human body, uh, for some people, over, uh, and other people were different, would have this really powerful reaction to COVID-19, this virus, and it would create all these antibodies, and the antibodies were so powerful inside their, their body that it was killing the patient. Some of you may remember that they came up with a thing called proning, where they actually laid a person's stomach down so that they could actually breathe through it. And it had to do with this cytokine storm that was happening in them. Imagine your adolescent 
having all of this synaptic pruning, losing 40% of their memory, at the same time going through this hormonal storm. That's a powerful thing to consider, what they're going through, Andre. It is. And as you're talking about this, I I kept asking myself the question, you know, why would God do that to us? Is that like a sick joke? The hormonal storm, the stuff going on in your brain, like... There's so much that kids and adolescents go through. Um, but what's happening is your, their prefrontal cortex is developing. And, and as, so I'll, as the pruning process is happening, it's happening in here. And what's developing is empathy. That as they go through this phase and become adults, they develop empathy. And they're not self-focused or self-centered anymore. Because if you have kids, if you have any experience with kids, you know kids can be all about me, 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 or what I want. It's everything focuses and revolves around me. And as they get older, they start thinking about others, which is how we can begin to embrace the the great commandment to love God uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors as yourself. That's the only way we can really understand what that really looks like. And so I keep thinking, this is amazing. That's, is Isn't amazing. this amazing how we go through this process so we can get to know God um, more and, and love him more and love others more? And, and here is a, a verse that, that sums it up in one third, uh, Psalm 139, verse 14. It says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Not complicated. We're not complicated people. We're wonderfully complex. We are special. We are uh, your workmanship, and he says, your workmanship is marvelous, how well mm. I know it. And so what you need to know about how complex and how wonderful we were made is that during the pruning process, things that are repeated are strengthened. Things that are continue to be, be, be um, implemented over time get stronger and stronger. Things that are important to you become important to them, to your kids, to those who you influence. But the opposite is also true. Mm. That the things that you don't value, the things that you don't place a high importance on, they won't be adopted by those who you influence. And so if you're here, if you're hearing me, if you have any influence, whether as a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a, a teacher, a coach, a mentor, if you have any influence over someone 0 through 18 or 20, you need to know that you are assisting in the pruning process of their brain. And most times, you don't even notice it. Did, did you hear the, the biblical connotations of Psalm 139? That actually God is accomplishing this wonderful thing, mm-hmm. this marvelous thing. Yep. And so you're, you may think that, well, we're not talking about a biblical concept, but more of a scientific one. No, it's a biblical thing. God uh, spun us up for this. He's taught us this. And it isn't just in, uh, in Psalm 139. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, talking about loving God and loving one another. It says, these are the commands, the decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. Mm. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Mm. These commandments that I give you today 
are to be on your hearts. Mm. Now look at this, because this is where what Andre said about the things that were repeated are strengthened. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road Mm. and when you lie down and when you get up. Mm. There's four times a day, every day, that these need to be completely reinforced. That helps that memory to be a core memory. Yes. It doesn't get discarded. Mm. It doesn't get pruned. Mm. And it becomes the core of that person's life. Yeah. So what does this really look like? It's as often as you do anything with your kids, as often as you mentor someone in this gen, you need to be intentional mm. about speaking and living out God's truth. I can tell you that in my family with my kids, those things that have been repeated and repeated, they pay you back. They pay you back incredible dividends Mm. as they grow up and as they start raising their children. You see this multi-generational blessing Mm -hmm. happening when those those core values are instilled. When you prioritize pursuing an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ over all else. It is likely that your child or an adolescent that you can influence will too. But the opposite is also true. If you fight and yell and speak harsh words in front of the kids or other young people, those traits will be adopted as well. You see, this generation is learning from us. Adults have the most influence in the lives of this gen, and you know what? We may not even realize no. it, but it's the truth. Yeah, we don't realize it. Um, another passage that I appreciate and really ties in what we're talking about is Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn mm. from it. Powerful passage, powerful scripture, verse. something that I memorized going to VBS as a kid. And there's different versions to this. There, there's some versions, obviously, that say start, but there's one that says train up. And I like the idea of training up versus start or teach. There's a difference between training up um, and, 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 and training. You know, like you're teaching and training is two completely different concepts. When I think about this, I think about the Olympics. Yeah. You know, like growing up in Jamaica, we're known for um, our athletes, our sprinters to be specific. And a bobsled team. And a bobsled team, that's right. Just saying. Cool running. Cool running. <laughs> uh, you should watch that too. <laughs> um, but but, but the, the idea of these athletes, these sprinters, if they are serious about making it to the Olympics, it starts when they're you know, so small, when they're like four years old. And, and as they continue, um, they're working on, on their speed. They're working on their technique. They're, they're practicing how to be still in, in the starting blocks and how to accelerate and get through that drive phase to reach that top end speed. It's like Usain Bolt. It's like, like Usain Bolt. Yeah, fastest man ever, and, and no one will ever top him either. <laughs> but that's the idea we're talking about is, is training for something and doing it consistently over time. The same thing can be said about shooting 100 free throws a day. You know, one day you might become the next Steph Curry. Um, or if you continue to, you know, do these things, it's, it's muscle memory. It's like riding a bike you never forget. And so if you're a parent, if you're a caregiver, you're switching from caregiver to coach. And every good coach knows that drills are vital yes. for game time. 
that you have to drill in over and over the plays or, or the rules or, or just different steps in order to prepare your team, prepare your players for the big game moment, prepare them for what's next. And so that's why I believe Solomon, what, was, what he was saying was absolutely right, that he was onto something in, in Proverbs 22. And what he's saying is don't, don't, allow, don't, don't allow their faith in God, their relationship with Jesus to be pruned simply because we weren't intentional with our time and mm. our influence with them. See, from my experience, it is so much easier to get it right in the beginning, in the beginning stages, when we actually have influence, when we mm. can help the pruning process, than to fix it later. That's why Solomon, who's the wisest man born of natural birth, said, even when they're old, they will not will not turn away from it. And so, Jerry, synaptic pruning, it's real. Real. It's real for kids. It's real for our students. And they have no control over it. If you're here and you're under the age of 20, you have no control what's going on. You might not even know it's happening Mm. simply because it happens in your subconscious mind. Yeah. However, we, the adults in all of our locations are the determining factor. Mm. We can help shape this generation, what they value, and we can evaluate by our actions what we've been communicating and make intentional changes to how we live our lives to that end. It's on us. You know, when I was going through this transition process with, with Clayton, where he became the senior pastor and I'm working for him, I saw a lot of advice from mentors I had all over the country. Mm. And there was one particular guy, Don Wilson, who who, uh, was pastoring the largest Christian church in the country, about 38,000 a weekend, and was talking to him on the phone. And this is what he said to me as he was coaching me. He said, in the transition, Jerry, you shoulder 100% of the responsibility. Clayton has zero percent. He had to say that a few times because I'm kind of going, this is not fair. (laughs) You know, Clayton needs to have some of this responsibility. He says, no, that responsibility falls solely on you. Kids are losing 40% of their mind. They're in the middle of a hormonal storm. The responsibility is on you. It's on you. You know why? Because your mind has been pruned. And your hormones should hopefully, hopefully. be under control. <laughs> so how do we do this? How do we walk this out as a practical reality? I was looking at something that a guy named Tyler McKenzie, he's been here and preached before, uh, said, gave 15 really, really good things uh, pertaining to tech. And since we're on the heels of Clayton preaching on technology mm. and how that relates. I want to give you some practical ways. Andre and I want to give you some practical ways on how those two things work together in this whole process of synaptic pruning and how we can repeat the right things and eliminate the wrong things. Mm. So hold on for these 15. Now, they, they may not all apply. Some of them you may go, I can't do that one. Yeah. But, but there's some ideas here that you need to grab a hold of. And here's the first one. How about a 30-day, this is about you guys, how about a 30-day digital detox? Mm. 30 days off all technology except what is essential to keep your job. 
What if you were to do that? How would that affect you? I mean, it is a technology cleanse, and it would be a good thing. Yeah, it would be. Uh, or the one, one, one rule. Um, it's phone free for one hour. Psh, that's a breeze, right? Um, one hour a day, and then one day a week, also doable. Yeah. But then one week a year. When you go on vacation with your family, what would it look like for you to just turn your phone off completely and just be present in the moment with those people? Here's number three. How about no screens when you eat? How about you just have like a basket on your table and you just put them in the basket or you, or you put them face down so you can't see whatever's popping up on the screen, that you're actually present in that moment to yeah. have the conversations that might change the trajectory of an entire life. Yeah, or no screens when you worship. Mm. When, when you come to church, uh, don't, you know, get on the Bible app, bring a, a physical Bible. I actually had a seventh grade student I was talking yeah, to you yeah. about earlier this morning. She had her Bible. She's not planning on opening that when she's back infused, but she's just going to, you know, open the physical one, not, not the app. Because you can get distracted so many times when you just start looking at this. Notifications pop in, and next thing you know, you're thinking about something else versus what God wants you to hear in that moment. Or no screens at big life events. Mm. Like when you're at, a, at, a, at something where your family is gathering, uh, like a Thanksgiving meal or a yep. wedding or something like that, that you're actually present in that moment and, and you're exampling that in front of your kids. Absolutely. Or what it would look like if we shaped the space around conversations and not the TV. If you look in your living room, are, are, are all the furniture facing towards the television or is it facing towards having conversations with the people in your family? Or, or spouses... Listen to this, access to passwords. That spouses have 100% unfettered access mm. at their, with their, all their spouses' passwords, and that parents have total access to all their kids' devices. <laughs> How about that? Some of you guys like that. You like, like that. Yeah. Parents are clapping. Yeah. <laughs> kids are like, stop talking. <laughs> um, or, or what it looked like to have um, screen time limits for everyone. You know, Clayton re referred to this last week that on Sunday, for many of us who are iPhone users, we get a screen time report. And he was kind of bragging how his was like down to like 70 something 79%. percent, which is, which is pretty big. That's pretty cool. Um, but you can limit access. You can, you can set limits uh, for yourselves, for your, your family, and just say, hey, for, for two hours a day, that's, that's all I can be on my phone for. And that's probably a lot for some people. And you start there and you work your way down. How about putting your phone on, do not disturb? The phone stays on, do not disturb, except for like critical people that mm. you need to communicate. You know, you can actually customize that yeah. uh, on your phone, how, how much that would put you in the situation sure. better than if you were always being interrupted. Yeah. Something that goes hand in hand with that is to have notifications stay off. Um, that means you're turning off your notifications for any... Uh, social media app, any, any messaging app, and just completely turning those off so, again, you're not seeing stuff pop up on your banner, on your lock screen, and being tempted to go see what that is. Yeah, and, and dovetailing with that, how about no social media apps on your phone? Mm. Just having them on your computer. It's a little harder to get to, right? And so you'll have a little bit of space if you keep those social media apps off your phone. Some of you are going, ooh, I don't know about that one, right? <laughs> That's a hard one, yeah. Uh, here's one that, that I personally struggle with, and it's don't start the day off on your phone. 
Um, don't that be the first thing you're looking at to see if you got a, a missed call or a text or you missed something or you want to play a game or, or watch something on, on your phone? Start on your knees. Start with a conversation with someone in your family. Um, leave the glowing rectangle for later. Or just limit unnecessary phone usage. A lot of our usage is completely unnecessary. Yeah. And when we're on our phones as adults and our kids are right there, you, what they're seeing is that they're being replaced, that yeah. they're not as important to you as the time that you're spending uh, on the phone. It's like someone cutting in line yeah. uh, for them. Mm. So what if we just eliminate that unnecessary phone usage? Mm. Uh, here's another one. One screen at a time. Rather than having, you know, it, I know it might be convenient sometimes to have uh, kids, teens on, on a device so that way you can be doing something different. What would it look like to just put all the devices away? If there's going to be any device on, it's just one. And you, you center a moment around that, that one device and make something intentional with that time. And the last one is only quality television. And I know that really drops down what you're going to be watching. But, I mean, we should consume mm. entertainment for art and learning and formation and fun. Yeah. But we need to stay away from all that gratuitous sex and violence that we see in mm. so many things that they, you know, it just draws us into the more the baser nature of ourselves. And we want things that appeal to our higher nature, sure. right? Yeah, I, I hear all of this, and I can't help but, but ask myself the question, what would it look like? You know, if we started a streak with our kids, what would it look like if we decided to, you know, we're going to take a challenge and we're going to make a streak um, of it. And so for, for you... I it, have to say, when you use that term, I, I'm from the 70s. So... Oh, not, not that kind of streak. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, clarify that. Okay, do not do uh, any sort of streaking. <laughs> um, well, let me, let me clear that up. But there, there is a social media app called Snapchat. And if you are on Snapchat, you know what I'm talking about. There is this phenomenon called, called a snap, Snapchat streak, um, okay. where you try okay. to make as many connections with one person um, daily. And if you miss a day, you break the streak. And so people boast about how they have a streak of, you know, over a thousand days with, with someone just because they've continued either sending one word or a picture or having some conversation. So that's this, <laughs> the idea of a streak. Blot everything else out. Okay? Okay. All right. Well, what would it look like if you started a, a streak to read the Bible with your kids no matter what? Mm. Like you just start with with one verse, like one verse a day, we're, we're going to do that. Or, or start a, a prayer streak with your kids before they leave school or, or, or leave for school or on their way in the cars, you're dropping them off. Like what would it communicate to the brain of that child if we do stuff like that? Hmm. Or, or what if you decided to always be a part of the body of Christ, yeah. even if you're out of town? When you're out of town um, for vacation or you're, you're traveling because of a sporting event, what would it look like if you prioritize getting online and being a part of the body of Christ or finding a local church somewhere that's close to you that you can be a part of? Again, what does that communicate yes. to the brain of your kids? You know, I, over the last few weeks, we've been giving you challenges. And, and from the feedback that we're getting uh, we, we can tell that many of you have embraced the challenges and have tried them and you're seeing fruit, you're seeing um, how it's helping your family win at home. And so we have a few more challenges for you. What if you were to start 
a godly habit. Start a habit to reinforce a godly or a Christian value. There's so many of them out there. Um, decide amongst yourself which one you want to pursue and try that for 30 days. Or what it look like if you started a prayer streak with someone in this gen. Mm. That you message them in the morning and you say, hey, how can I be praying for you? And you actively pray for those needs. Or what would it look like if you decided to start a Bible plan with someone in this gen? You're not just going through one scripture, but you're actually looking at how it applies to you and how it applies to them and having deeper conversations about that text. Or maybe for you parents, it's going to be to have a mm. weekly date night awesome. with your kids. Yeah. You know, spend some quality one-on-one time with them. Try to discover what their love languages are. Figure out how God wired them, how they feel loved, so that way you can love them exactly how God wired them. Mm. And there's a love language test online that you can fill out as you get to discover what that looks like. Or for some of you, it's simply find a service project. Find a service project in your community that you can, uh, again, find someone in this gen to, to serve alongside. Or maybe it's a need in your, at your campus, at your local campus, that you can serve in one of the ministries there. Again, what would that look like? I can't help but wonder that if us as adults embrace the idea that we do have influence, that we can help cultivate the brains of um, this generation, and we decided to be intentional with our time, be intentional with the example that we are setting, how much of a difference that would make as they continue to go through this prudence process, as they continue to become young men and young women, young women of Jesus, how big could that be? Mm. And so we need to think about that as we move into this time of decision. Amen. Amen. So just to reiterate to this service, like I had to do with a 9 a.m. service, the challenge today is not to go in your community and go streaking. I don't want to see any of our people on the news saying our pastor said this, but we do want you to take a step, a big one. One of the things that I want you to, to capture, I want you to kind of capture this phrase that you can't give what you don't already have. You can't give to your kids, you can't give to your family, you can't give to your coworkers, the people you love, what you don't already have. And so you're like, well, what, what does that mean? If you don't have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never stepped into that, that walk with him. You've never said yes to him, to making him Lord and Savior of your life. You can't give that to your kids. You can't give that gift to the people you love. They won't experience it from you. They're looking to you. They're looking to me. And if you don't have that part, they're going to look elsewhere. And so if you've never started that relationship with him, if you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior here in this room or, or online, listen, that is the step today. Simply laying down your own desires and trusting in Jesus, and starting that walk, and getting in that waters today, uh, just 9 a.m. service, we had an incredible young man who, man, he, uh, he, had a, he could have gone a, a couple of different ways. He had a couple of different options growing up. He had a grandparents who, who shared Jesus with them, and he had a mom and a dad that was, uh, was Muslim. 
And it took him a while. But today, he put his feet in the sand. He said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he declared that his faith is in Christ and in Christ alone. And listen, I'm not talking about a religion. I'm not talking about anything other than a personal relationship with Jesus. And you all, every single individual in this room, listen, you get to make that decision for yourself. So if you want to do that today, it's the very best decision you could possibly make. And in just a little bit, we're going to start singing some songs. And here in this room, there's going to be a a pastor by the baptistry that would love to walk with you and help you maybe discern what that, that next step for you is. If it's getting in the water today, we're ready. If it's online, you just click that button. Man, I'm ready to start that intimate personal relationship with Jesus. And let's get on that journey. That is the very first step. But it also goes further. You can't give what you don't have. I mean, if you're, if you're consumed with technology, if you're, if you're consumed with the world, if you're consumed with sin, your, your kids are seeing those things. Your, your grandkids are seeing those things. They're seeing what priorities you put yourself in. The, the word that I kept hearing today in this message, and I heard it this is the third time, is in being intentional. Being intentional with your time, being intentional with the what you do with your actions. And there's a lot of steps you could take today, but here's the thing, church. You just got to take one. And that step may look different for every single person in here. There may be a challenge that resonated with your heart and with your soul, and your spirit confirmed, the, the Holy Spirit confirmed it inside of you. In just a moment, maybe you're just like, I still have no idea. There's so much. Listen, as a dad, I'm sure my daughter's in here right now, which makes this even harder. Because I get to stand up here and tell you this is how you should live when I'm also confronted with it. And it's hard. Going home with these challenges is hard, it's tough work. But when we lean in and when we take steps, we're trusting the faithfulness of God. And we know we're doing it not for ourselves, but we're doing it because of uh, the relationship with Jesus. And we're doing it because of the betterness of, of this generation that we are trying to raise up to know. When it gets tough, lean in. Take a step. And so when just a little bit in this song starts for you, maybe you just come up and you just humble yourself before the Lord and you say, God, I, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to move. What is my step? And he's faithful. He will prov- he'll provide that for you. And he'll give you the tools to take that step because we are a church that moves. That's what decision time is about. That is why every single week we have a moment such like this because we believe You can either go forward, you can go out the same person, or sometimes you can even go backwards. But our prayer is that we are a church that stinking moves. Moves closer to Jesus, so that way we can make a bigger difference in this world. So if you want to be that church, man, it starts right here. Let's get on our knees, let's humble ourselves before God, and let's move. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, God, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that actively puts their faith in motion, that we don't stand still, we don't stay in the same place, we don't go backwards, we are a church that moves forward, moves forward with your help, your Holy Spirit is inside of us.
God, I pray that you just move and you make yourself known to every single person in this room because every single individual has a step. They have a step online. And God, I pray that in this moment, you reveal what it is and we just take it. God, we trust you. We love you. And God, I pray that in every moment along the road, when we get up, when we lie down, when we're sitting in our homes, we take this challenge seriously to impress upon our kids your love and our love for the people around us. Lord, let us be a church that moves in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.